we just came back from a meeting in Las Vegas and we reconnected with some very precious friends of ours, precious people. We hadn't seen Mac and Lynn Hammond, pastors Mac and Lynn Hammond of Living Word Christian Center in Minneapolis for many years. And they were one of the couple of the speakers there. And of course, the, the name of the conference was Supernatural Leadership. And so Mac Hammond, Pastor Mac Hammond did an outstanding job teaching along those lines. And in the mornings, Pastor Lynn was sharing uh, along the lines of a prayer, which she often does. And just as she was sharing, some things began to really stir in my heart. You know, it's good to be with your own company. And it's good to be around people that put something into you and not take something out of you. And it's good to be in a place like this place, like Heart of the Bay or wherever you normally go to church that, that will stir things up in you. You should never come to church or go to a meeting and leave just like you came. You ought to leave changed. You ought to leave with some impartation from the Word and from the Spirit of God. So that's what happened to Pastor Mark and I. But um, not even all, all of it didn't happen just during the service. But one day we were having lunch, blessed to have lunch with them. And was I was talking with Lynn about some things. And anyway, this just kept coming up in my heart. And so this is what we're going to start with tonight. And I had this title that just kept rising up in my spirit. And it's this, take a stand, take a stand, take a stand for righteousness, take a stand in prayer. Is there not a cause? There is a cause. There's a cause to pray. There's a cause to raise our voice. There is a cause to take a sand or a stand or as it were to draw a line in the sand and use our God-given authority. It's time for the body of Christ to rise up and to say, Satan, you're not having my family you're not having my, my body. You're not going to put sickness and disease on me. You're not having our, our state. You're not having the Bay Area. You're not having this nation in the name of Jesus. So one day as we were visiting with them, Lynn looked at me and she said, What is going on? In California. Did you know in the rest of the nation, California is getting a really bad rap? She started talking about all the homelessness and, you know, and, and our governor, God bless him in the name of Jesus. We declare that our state is going God's way. And, you know, we talked a little bit about some of that stuff in the natural. And then I heard myself saying this. This is what's happening in revival. In California, in revival. In California, we're having revival. And Jesus is Lord over the state of California. And our state shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And then we started talking about it and she was familiar with it as well. Uh, years ago, there was a woman of God and her name was Jeannie Wilkinson. She's been in heaven now for a long, long time. 
lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but she stood in the office of a prophetess. She was one of the one, only one of the ones I ever knew that Brother Hagin allowed to speak into his life as far as giving him words or coming up in his meetings and sharing what the Lord had shown her. She had vision. She had dreams. She was a, a true prophetess of God. But one time the Lord gave her this vision of the states and she saw every single state and she saw what they stood for and she saw their end from their beginning and whether they were going to vote in the camp of the Lord or not. And so we were talking about, yeah, I remember what she said about California and she started off and she said, it's by no accident. California starts with a hard C because it has been known and will be known for cults and false religion and drugs and anti-God. But then she said, but I see California on fire. Well, we've had some fires in the natural, but that's not what we're claiming. I see California on fire for God. And she ended by saying this, and I see California voting heavy in the camp of the Lord. That makes my heart happy. How about you? I see California voting heavy in the camp of the Lord. So I started thinking about the promises of God, the prophecies that have been spoken over our state, and it's going to go God's way. And we know that the enemy doesn't want California to vote heavy in the camp of the Lord, but he's not Lord. He's not my Lord, and he is not Lord over our state. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. I'm declaring it. More are they that are with us than they that are with them. There's lots of Christians in California. It's not just what's happening. Maybe in a little pocket here, a little pocket there. Sometimes those that have an anti-God agenda, their voice seems to be the loudest and they get the most attention. But Jesus is Lord. And Christians may not be all over the airways, but Christians are in the airways. We are lifting our voice and we are changing things in the realm of the spirit. Can I get a witness? I believe that we are taking a stand and we know the things that have been spoken over our state. We're going to contend for them. Do I got any contenders in the house? I was reminded of a passage of scripture when uh, Jehoshaphat and the children of Israel, they were surrounded by the enemy camp. You know the story. And when they were surrounded, they didn't know what they were going to do. But Jehoshaphat did the right thing. He said, we're going to call on the name of the Lord. He called everybody together and they had a prayer meeting. And I love this one phrase. This story's in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I love this one phrase. And he said, Lord... We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then later on down, as they were praying, God gave them instructions on exactly what to do. And it was an unusual and an unlikely word. But I want to look at verse 20 of that chapter. 
So they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So we know what the plan was. Send the praisers first. If you read this chapter, it's got to be one of my favorite Old Testament stories. And God did exactly what he said he would do. But they had to believe They had to believe the word of the prophet. Then they were established in what God had said was going to happen. The battle wasn't theirs. It was his. And we know that the enemy got confused and and they ran out of the camp. And when the children of Israel went out, they couldn't believe it. They were all gone. They went into their tents. And the Bible says there was so much spoil there. It took them three days to gather it up. So the enemy ran off and left all of their stuff. But it started with them seeking God, them getting God's plan, them believing God's plan, and them acting on God's plan. We have a plan, folks, and it's called the Word of God. We know exactly what to do. We can do it on our knees. We can go around the world. We can take territory in the name of Jesus. That's His plan. And our plan will, it will prosper. His plan will prosper when we act upon it. Amen? So again, what we are talking about tonight is take a stand. I heard someone say years ago, and you probably have heard it too, stand for something or fall for anything. Stand for something or fall for anything. Are we standing on the Word of God? Are we taking our place and our position in authority according to His Word? Well, I just want to lay some groundwork tonight and just give you really some scriptures on standing before we pray. Hallelujah. And my voice is strong in Jesus' name. Y'all agree with that? Hallelujah. The climate was different in Las Vegas. And I'm not talking about the spiritual climate. It was super, super dry. And I woke up the second morning that we were there and I was like, where'd my voice go? Anyway, it's all good. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 out of the Amplified. Be alert and on your guard. Stand firm. There's the word stand. Stand firm in what? Your faith, your conviction, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, keeping the trust and holy fervor born of faith and a part of it. And I like this one, this line here. Second, First Corinthians sixteen thirteen amplified. Act like men and be courageous. Grow in strength. So we see here there is a cause to stand and to stand firm on what we believe and on the word of God. We are not called called to blend in with the world. We're not against the world. We're not against any people. But we do know what we stand for. And we stand for the word. And we don't have to compromise 
the word. If you compromise the word to keep a relationship or keep this or keep that, whatever you compromise to keep, you're going to eventually lose anyway. So stand up for what is right. And then he says here, be on guard, be alert. And then it says, and be courageous. There's people in the the world that will say Christianity is just a crutch. It's a crutch for weak people. Wrong. Have you found out Christianity is not for wimps? We are not wimps. We are warriors. Hallelujah. We are soldiers in the Lord's army. We can stand up on the outside because of who's on the inside. Smith Wigglesworth, a great man of God, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Stand up even when it looks like you've been knocked down. Anybody ever been tempted to be knocked down in life? And wow, it's like all of a sudden your head is where your feet were. You're just knocked, something knocked you for a loop. But even though you may have been knocked down, don't stay down. Stand up, get back up, get back up. In the realm of the spirit. And even when the enemy comes and he tries to say, you need to sit down and you need to be quiet. You don't, you shouldn't be talking about Christianity. You shouldn't be saying that kind of stuff. That's not politically correct. So sit down and shut up. You ought to be like the little boy. Maybe sometimes when you feel like you've been knocked down, this little boy, he kept standing up in his chair and his mom would set him back down. He'd stand back up. She'd set him back down. He'd stand back up. She'd set him back down. She said, now you have got to stay set seated in that chair. So he finally, he looked at her and he says, okay, I'm setting down on the outside, but I'm still standing up on the inside. So when life knocks you down and things happen, that ought to be your attitude. I might be knocked down temporarily, but I'm still standing up on the inside. And if I'm standing up on the inside, I'm going to get up on the outside. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit more about standing and look at some scriptures on it. The battle stance. Brother Kennedy Hagen, our spiritual father, Dad Hagen, he said this. The believer's battle stance is to stand. And he took that from this wonderful passage, Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read quite a bit of this. I'm going to read it out of the King James because that's my Bible that I brought tonight. And I like it. And I'll begin in verse 10 through verse 17 in the King James Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ephesians six ten. We're starting in verse ten. Strong in who? The Lord, not in ourselves. Then verse eleven. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. We're going to see how many times the word stand or withstand is used in this passage. So here's the first one. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me stop right there for a moment and point out it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes we think people are our enemy. People are our problem. People can be a problem, but we should not look at people as the enemy. We need to realize that when people are acting like demon child and they're stirring up all sorts of trouble and maybe even accusations against you and perhaps harassment at your job or or even people in your family, even though we want to get angry and we want to get upset with them and slap them across the head and say, what's wrong with you we have to realize that people are not our problem we don't wrestle with flesh and blood what's the issue here then the issue is that we live in a world a fallen world we live in a world where satan can influence people and demonic activity is running rampant and it's not obviously even the devil sometimes it's just people's flesh they're just completely carnal and they're yielding to their flesh and giving you trouble but either way we need to realize that it is demonically influenced evil spirits influencing them and we can take authority over those harassing spirits. We're getting ready to go into the holiday season. I don't know if some of you are going to be with relatives that, you know, are like a thorn in the flesh. And they always seem to push. <laughs> they always seem to push your button and say just the wrong thing to get you rolling or to get you upset. Well, I want to encourage you before you sit down to have that turkey dinner or that ham dinner or whatever you eat on Thanksgiving or at Christmas, before you even get there, you just start saying, okay, this person is not my enemy, but I know that they are motivated by a wrong spirit, but I bind that harassing spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And you are not going to torment me. We're going to have a peaceable holiday. And when you get there, if they start saying a bunch of junk, just go in the back. I wouldn't get in their face and go, I bind you. You might feel like it, but probably not going to work real well but you can go in the bathroom you can get by yourself and say oh no you don't no you don't i know who you are i know what you're trying to do and it's not going to work here in the name of jesus amen didn't know all that was in that passage but it's good it's good for us to remember who our enemy is amen uh where were we verse 12 verse 13 wherefore take unto you The whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. So there's a word withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So he tells us right there when we have done all that we know to do stand. And then he says it again in verse 14 stand you getting the point he's saying we need to stand 
So just in these verses that we have read so far, we see that the word withstand or stand has been mentioned four times. Now let's keep on reading here. And verse 15, and your feet, will you all see what we're doing now? We're talking about the armor of God. We're leading up to praying. He's telling us you need to have on the armor of God. You can't resist the devil. You can't take authority over evil influences if you're naked spiritually. Don't be a streaker in the spirit. He's saying, get your armor on. Get fully clothed with these things I'm describing here. And then you're ready to take a stand. Then you're ready to pray. He said in verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God. Amen. So what is this whole armor? We just read it there in 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt with truth. That's the word of God. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he is describing to us here exactly what we need to have on when we go to pray. You all seeing this? Too many Christians don't know anything about the breastplate of righteousness. They think that they are an unworthy worm. But doesn't it say over in James chapter 5, it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much, that makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So that's why it's so important to have on that breastplate of righteousness, that right standing with God, knowing that we can come boldly to the throne room of grace and that we have that shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy, of the wicked one, because he will attack you. He'll come after your faith. He'll try to get you to be moved by what you see or by what people are saying or how they're acting. That's why we use the shield of faith. No, no, no. I am not going to be moved off of what I believe in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, through giving us this description of the full armor of God, He is revealing to us the position that we need to take in prayer. And it is to stand. Now listen to some of these definitions on stand. To be stationary, firmly fixed, stable, Unyielding, And I love this one. To persevere. And persevere means to keep it up. Never say die. That ought to be our attitude. I'm going to stand firm upon the word of God. I'm going to be stable in unstable times. I am not going to quit. I am not going to give up. How many of you in here remember John Wayne? I mean, not that you knew him personally, but you saw the old John Wayne Western movies. I saw something recently. It was on, I don't know, some silly little show. And some guy was asking his kid about John Wayne. He's like, who's that? And he goes, oh, I can't believe 
You don't know who John Wayne was. Well, I grew up watching John Wayne. It was good Western shows, and he, he always got the bad guy. He always won. He was a good guy. But he, he, uh, if, let's just say this. In some of those movies, he was the commander. And when they were going to have an attack on the enemy, and he would always say, stand. Hold your ground. And he used the word pilgrim a lot. Hold your ground, pilgrim, stand, whatever, you know. It's not a great leader that yells out, run for your life. Do you know that you can't shoot someone very effectively if you're running away with the gun over your shoulder and you're just shooting wildly into the air? No, we got to know who our enemy is. We got to know what the weapons of our warfare are. A good soldier is trained to hold steady and give the enemy no place or no ground and don't give him an inch. You've all heard that saying, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. So keep the door closed, stand your ground, be firm, be stable. And I like how that one definition there, it was unyielding. No devil, I'm not yielding to your lies. I'm not yielding to those thoughts. Amen. So once we know what our armor is and we have that armor on, we have the word of God. We recognize our enemy. We've taken a stand. We know what our weapons are. Then we're going to use those weapons. What are those weapons? Second Corinthians 10, three through four gives us more. We've got on the armor of God now, but this is very very strong on what our weapons are. For though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare, what are they? We already talked about that men, flesh is not our enemy, but now he's telling us the weapons of our warfare, they are not physical. The weapons of flesh and blood. But what are they? They are mighty through God. For the, I like how it says it in the Amplified. For the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. Woo-hoo-hoo. The overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. The enemy thinks he's got some strongholds. Perhaps in your life. Some strongholds over the state of California. But the weapons that we have. They are not carnal. But they are mighty. To the pulling down. To the overthrow. To the destruction of those strongholds. He's not having the Bay Area. He's not having our state. He's not having our nation. Because we have mighty, mighty weapons and we know how to use them. This is our prayer stance. I know people say different things and you can set in your seat of authority. I'm not saying you can't do that, but we are taking a stand. We're taking a stand and we're drawing that line and we are saying, Satan, you are not crossing it. This is our territory. This is our domain. Wherever we live, God's given that to us. Just like he told the children of Israel, every place that the soul 
sole of your foot shall touch. God has given that to you. You got some territory that he's given to you. It's your family. It's where you live. It's where your job is. That's your domain. That's your territory. And you got authority to use in the name of Jesus to push back the forces of darkness, to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. Now let's just go ahead. We're almost done here and then we're going to pray for a bit. But let's look here, continuing reading now. Let's go down to verse 18 of Ephesians 6. Got on our armor. We know what our weapons are. We know they are mighty through God. Hallelujah. And then here in verse 18 in the Amplified, praying at all times on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty, to that end, here these words are again, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. And then I like verse 19 as well. The apostle Paul said, and pray also for me that freedom of utterance may be given me that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news, the gospel. So not only are we to pray all manner of prayer, all kinds of prayer, to pray for all saints. How do you pray for all saints? You don't know their names. You don't know all the people in the body of Christ. But that's why we have this wonderful, precious gift called the Holy Spirit. And he gives us divine utterance to pray for somebody on the other side of the world that we've never seen, that we don't know. But if they are in a desperate situation and they need prayer... But through the power of the Holy Spirit and us yielding to that unction, he will use us to pray for people all around the world. That's how you pray for all saints. You do it in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes your prayers and he sends them right to where they are needed. If we will yield ourselves, he gives us that divine utterance to do so. And then Paul said to pray for me that I would have utterance. That's the greatest way that you can pray for ministers, that they would have that door of utterance and they would have that unction of the Holy Spirit, that they would speak beyond themselves, that they wouldn't just speak words that they thought up, but that they would speak words that the Holy Spirit directs them to say. And when a minister is speaking under that divine unction and that flow of utterance is there. It's pulling down strongholds. It's overthrowing darkness. It's setting the captives free. So as you are praying and praying over our state, praying over our nation, include to pray for pastors, all of the ministry gifts that God would grant them as apostle Paul said, utterance and boldness that I may open my mouth boldly to proclaim the good news. Amen. So we see here that we are to be alert, watchful, have strong purpose 
in our prayers. We are to pray the promises. I heard Mark Hankins say this recently. He, he was at that meeting as well. He said, faith isn't just a confession. It's an action. The promises in the word are motion activated. Many churches are full of nouns. All about me, myself and I. Take a selfie in church. Post it on Facebook, Instagram, don't I look good? But God is looking for verbs. He doesn't want a bunch of nouns in his church. That all they're interested is me, myself, and I. He wants some verbs. He's looking for people who will believe and act in faith. And take a stand and open their mouth in prayer. Hallelujah. You and I are world changers. We can make a difference, not just in our lives. We can make a difference where we live. We can make a difference in our nation and in our state. I heard a man of God say this, that Christians are not supposed to be thermometers registering the environment around us, but we're supposed to be thermostats. We set the temperature. We set the, it, we set the environment. Did y'all get that? We're not to be a thermometer. We register what's going on around us. We are to be the thermostat and we set the atmosphere. We say how it's going to be in our life. We say how it's going to be in schools around here. We say how it's going to be in the Bay Area. We're the ones that declare how it's going to be in California. And I know you agree with me. It's going to go God's way. And our beautiful, wonderful state, we're not going to curse it with our words. We are declaring that the state of California is voting heavy in the camp of the Lord and the glory of the Lord shall cover our state up one coast and down the other. It'll spread out and cover this entire nation. Amen. Ian Bond said this in prayer, you align yourself to the purpose and the power of God. He is able to do things through you. He could not otherwise do for God has left certain things open to prayer, things which will never be done except we pray. When we pray, we are doing God's business. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord.